Good morning, Next Level Church. We're just trying to think of creative things to keep you awake. So I'm really happy that you're here. Well, apparently there's nothing like the smell of new. And since we're talking about the fact that there's really nothing like new, uh, we thought maybe we'd try and spice it up and illustrate things a little bit. And, and as true as it may be that there's really nothing like the smell of new, apparently, the truth is when we start talking about this new thing, and we started last week about talking about this, this new thing that God wants to do in our lives, now it's a new year, and God's got some, some new ideas, some new plans, some new visions that He wants us to be a part of in our lives, that, that, that sounds great, and that may even smell great at times, but the truth is, um, when we really kind of dig down deep into this new thing that God would want to do in our life, it can... It can be a little tricky because, as you'll recall, last week we, we talked about the why of this new thing that God wants to do in our life. Well, it's, it's the why is that God wants it to be so, and, and other than that, the truth is none of us want to be the same. That if we fast forward 365 days from now, none of us want to be the same as we are today. We don't want to be in the same place position, uh, financially. We don't want to be in the same place relationally. In all of those zones of our life, we don't, we don't want to be in the same place. We don't want to be the same as we are. So, so the why is, is easy for us to understand about this idea of, that there's nothing like new. And, and even the how, which is what we talked about, the five ideas of, of how we see this new thing that God wants to do in our life and that we want to see happen in our life. That how we bring that to pass with freshening up the vision and, and getting rid of old habits, old thoughts, old, old patterns of behaviors, old identities. We talked about all that last week. Turning some volume knobs down on the voices in our life. Turning other volume knobs up. That, that all of that goes to the how of this new thing that God wants to do in our life. Getting a strategy, you know, that's part of the how, I guess. And, and even the, the idea of investing small amounts of time, you know, ten minutes a day type of thing. That, that, that all of that goes to the how. But here's the thing is when we start to dig into this new thing that God would want to do in our lives, the why and the how come pretty easily, but the truth is there's another question that I think we have to answer, and that's what we're going to talk about today, and that's the where. Where, where, do, where do we focus our attention? Where do, we, where do we look for those opportunities of advancement? So this morning we're going to talk about the fact that there's nothing like a new opportunity. And we're going to ask this question for the next few minutes of where. Where are those opportunities? Because it would appear that once we kind of turn our sights on, on being a part of this new thing that God wants to do, that the, the opportunities out there are endless. A few weeks ago during the, the holiday season, I went to Sam's Club, uh, and my wife had given me um, explicit instructions. You're to pick up these three things and get these three things. How many, Matt? Three. And I'm like, okay, I got it, babe. Got it. You can count on me. So I don't know why uh, my ADD was kind of kicking in overdrive that day. So I walk into Sam's, you know, I flash my little membership card. I'm like, yeah, I was fat in that picture. What up now? Look the other way. You like how that feels? I walk into Sam's Club and I turn and it's like all of a sudden I just got like wiped with this, like, wow, like, I, my ADD was going crazy, I'm like, look at that, they moved the DVD racks, wow, look, they turned those aisles, I'm like, oh, before I know it, I'm like, want, I blogged about this, I'm wandering around Sam's, and I'm like, wow, look at all this cool stuff, wow, there's like thousands of things in Sam's, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing, and then I'm like, wait, focus, why am I, 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 I said out loud, I am here to get three things, and I have no idea what they are. And see, when we start talking about this new thing that God might want to do in our life, the same kind of feelings can sort of overwhelm us. We start looking for these opportunities, and it's like, man, there's something down every aisle. I mean, there's thousands of, of opportunities of where we should find advancement in our life. 
And just like me at Sam's, unfortunately, we can find ourselves wandering around. And I hope, my hope is for us that you and I, who are listening today, won't just find ourselves wandering around for the next 12 months until we get 12 months from now and look back and go, man, I, I kind of I wasted this new opportunity that God was trying to set up, that God was trying to give me in 2008. So this morning I want to talk about how we focus this advancement, of, of this answering this question of where. Where are those areas in our life where God wants to bring advancement to us? So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to 1 Timothy? Chapter 3 is where we're going to start. The book of 1 Timothy is found toward the back of your Bible. It's in the New Testament. It was written by a guy named Paul. The Apostle Paul was kind of this older and wiser um, statesman of the faith, and, and he's writing the book of First and Second Timothy are actually letters. So he's He's writing two letters to his, as he calls him, spiritual son in the faith. He wasn't his biological son, but he was his spiritual son that Paul had, had taken him on as, as his spiritual father. And, and he saw the potential in Timothy. He sees this, this potential in this young man who could, who could become uh, like Paul was and, and could do amazing things and become this amazing follower of Christ. So Paul, this older and wiser, is writing to Timothy, this younger, more inexperienced, and and he's encouraging him to grow, just like all of us have been encouraged last Sunday and now this Sunday to, to have this God flowing through us to touch someone else's life. Leadership, influence, impacting someone else for his glory. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul is writing to Timothy, and look at what he says. I love this. He says, Timothy, listen, here's a trustworthy saying. In other words, if you need a saying that you can put your trust in, here's one. Anyone who ever aspires to be an overseer or a leader an influencer of others, desire, look what he says, desires a noble task. So Paul's writing to this, this young apprentice. Can't you hear the police somewhere? You consider me the young apprentice. Right? And Paul's writing to his young apprentice, and he says, listen, Timothy, if, if you really want to be a leader... If you want to be a part of this new opportunity, this, this new thing to influence the lives of those around you, like you have the potential to do, Timothy, if you really want to desire to be an overseer, an influencer of others, leaders, then you're going to have to realize that this is a noble task, that you have entered into an exciting adventure. And then I love that Paul goes on from there, and we won't look at these verses this morning, but we'll, you can study them throughout this week if you want to, that Paul takes the next several verses and he basically says, listen, Timothy, if you're going to be a part of this new thing God wants for you to become, then it starts with you. You've got to learn to lead yourself. This is a whole lot about personal leadership development. And Paul just drills down on him. He spends the next several verses. He's like, listen, it includes this, and you've got to be like this. And this is a characteristic of someone who's, who's learning to lead themselves and learning to, to develop that personal leadership thing inside of them. And over the next few verses, Paul unpacks this for his young apprentice, Timothy. And he says, man, listen, this is a whole lot about honest assessment. So what about us? When was the last time we took a real honest assessment of who we are? where we are in our lives, and not just all the external stuff. Because I think that matters way less than we give credit to it. What about what's going on in here? When was the last time we drilled down and said, who am I on the inside? What are those fears that I'm facing? What are those insecurities that I'm facing that I've got to drill down into? 
When was the last time we took a good, honest assessment of our own heart? I, I think that, that starting with us, learning to lead ourselves, this personal leadership development thing, looks like discipline. That it's not easy. It's, it's not always going to be comfortable. That we're going to have to be willing to let God push on our heart and push on us and go, listen, I want to mold you and shape you into my image, into that which I've created you to be. You're made to worship me. You're made to be in my image, like we sang about a few minutes ago. See, that's not always comfortable. That's hard work. It requires discipline and honest assessment. And I think when we talk about this idea of leadership and our personal leadership development, learning to lead ourselves, that it's a whole bunch, this noble task includes enlisting other people. Timothy had done that. He had Paul. He had an older and wiser who was pouring into him. Who does that look like for us? Who are those people that we need to intentionally invite into our personal development? our growth track, our growth plan, and say, man, will you help me? You know why? Because I know I've got blind spots in my life. I know that there are probably areas in my life that I don't see. And I'm, I'm inviting you into this. Why? Because this is too important. There's a huge opportunity for advancement for me in this area, and I need someone to help me along with that. Let's make it personal. What about us? How are we doing at that? When was the last time we took a good, honest assessment of who we are on the inside? And got gut-level honest with our insecurities, with our fears, with that which we don't know about ourselves. And we asked a friend or a relative or a coworker, and we said, Will you help me develop and become everything I can become? Because I see an opportunity for advancement here. Here's a second one that Paul says if we go to the next chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Paul talks about not only this personal leadership development thing, But he talks about what I like to call equipping to our strengths. Equipping our our strengths. Look at verse 13. Paul's writing to Timothy here and he says, Listen, until I come, devote yourself to a few things. Timothy, you've got to make sure you do these. He says, devote yourself to the reading of Scripture and to preaching and to teaching. And then I love this phrase. Look at the phrase right here. It's the first part of verse 14. It says this. Do not neglect your gift. I love that. The Apostle Paul, this older and wiser one, writing to his young apprentice, this this Timothy that he sees so much potential for advancement in. He says, listen, Timothy, you've got to drill down and start with this personal leadership development thing. But then, secondly, you've got to play to your strengths. You've got you to devote yourself. You can't neglect that which you're good at. Apparently, Timothy was very, very good at the reading of Scripture and the preaching and the teaching. That was his strong suit. That was his gift, even as a young man. And Paul's writing to Timothy and he's going, listen, don't just blow that off. Don't just push that to the side because you're busy doing a bunch of other stuff. Timothy, you've got to play to that strength. And see, I think each and every one of us have been given strengths in our lives as well. Those areas in our life where we feel strong, where we excel. I think every one of us have been given strengths. And I think it's God's desire in 2008 for us to advance in our strengths sets. When I was in high school, um, I... I was not good at taking tests. I'm a, I, I, I'm a think, I think I'm a pretty smart guy. That's kind of a, I mean, you're making a big assumption there, bro. Uh, maybe that's a blind spot. Thanks for not pointing that out, by the way. Uh, I've invited those strategically in who have the permission to do that. Um, 
I, I was not good at taking tests, and I was so glad that my mom kind of picked up on this. It's not that you're not smart. It's just that you can't take... That's it, Mom, you're right. My mom was a school teacher. You know how bad it is when you take the SAT and you score like barely above literate? They're like, no, we'll accept you at the community college barely because your mom's a teacher. I was not good at taking tests. Today, I mean, if you set a test in front of me, I'm like, I don't know. I'll give it a good shot. I'll try, Mom. You know, but you put me up here. You put me in front of a group of people and ask me to talk about this. I'll do this all day long. Some of you have been asking about the two-service thing. Yes, they are identical services. The worship team will be the same. The message will be the same. The speaker will be the same. Everything everything will be the same. So rest assured on all that. There will be identical services, 9 and 1045, identical services. And some of you have kind of said that you're a little concerned about me as far as being able to, well, that's going to require a lot of energy. Are you sure you're up for that? (laughs) Yeah, trust me. You know what? This is, being up here, this is the easy part. I mean, this is, yeah, it's draining and it takes a lot of energy, but this is, this is one of my strengths. See, writing is the same way for me. I can, I can sit in front of a computer and get in a flow of thought and just pop my head up and three hours have gone by. It happened last Monday. I sat down to write an entry for my blog and I just, the next thing I knew, I had written 2,500 words. It just, it flows. I, I feel strong. I feel on top of the world when I do. That's a strength for me. Another strength of my, for me is, is when I can mentor, when I can coach, when I can teach like a one-on-one or a one-on-two with, with young leaders, when I can pour myself into that. Man, I feel like I'm on top of the world doing that. See, those are my strengths. And, and when we play to our strengths, when we learn to strengthen our strengths, that's where true advancement comes in our lives. The world around us will oftentimes tell us, you've got to strengthen your weaknesses. And when it comes to character flaws, that's absolutely true. We definitely, when it comes to character flaws, we've got to, we've got to drill down and figure out those weaknesses and, and make them stronger. But when it comes to our strengths, that which, which has a restorative quality to it, which basically means that when you get done doing it, it's, you may be physically tired, but on the inside you're like, yeah. Or, or, or strength is, is something you can get lost in and, and you look up and you go, wow, I, where did the time go? That's, in short, a strength is anything that makes us feel strong. At the end of it, and we go, yeah, I'm on top of the world. That's a strength for us. And see, true advancement in our lives comes when we push in, when we say, you know what, I'm going to focus on my strengths. I know that I only do two or three things really well, and so i got to press into those. That's what Paul was writing to Timothy. Going, Timothy, bro, don't neglect your gift, man. You're good at this. You're good at preaching and teaching. you got to do that. That's what Paul was saying. What about us? Do we know where our strengths are? Do we know where those giftings are that God's placed in us? Those things that, that make us feel on top of the world, the things that make us feel strong? Then we've got to play to those. We've got to figure out how to slice off more minutes of our week in that direction. See, Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, Listen, man, there's a million opportunities for you to advance out there. But I want you to zoom in and focus in, zero in on this personal leadership development thing. You've got to zero in on your strengths and, and those things that you do well, where you're gifted, where you're strong. The third thing that was found in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and that's relationships. Paul's writing here, and he actually takes the entire chapter of, of chapter 5. And he talks about all sorts 
of relationship. And he's writing to Timothy, and he's like, okay, listen, man. Here's what you do with, with you know, older men. Here's how you handle younger men. Here's how you handle older widows. Here's the younger widows. Here's how, what you say to them. Here's how you deal with any young woman. Here's how you do this. And in both of his letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he goes into this relational th- thing because, see, Paul understood that life is lived in the context of relationships. And if we can't get along, then we're never going to become what God wants us to become. We're never going to advance like he wants us to. We've got to drill down. This is one of those areas of advancement for us where we have an opportunity this year to grow in the relational zones of our life. To, to not just put relationships on, on autopilot. Are there any relationships in our life that are on autopilot? Where we've resolved and said, that's good enough. We can coast. Maybe it's in your marriage. We were praying in the production meeting before service this morning. Josh, our program director, he prayed that someone's marriage would be restored today. Well, this is your moment right now. How's your marriage? How long has it been on autopilot? How long do you think you can keep this plane on autopilot and it not crash into a mountain? We've got to engage this thing. Marriage is tough. Marriage is hard. But marriage is still the best thing going. We've got to fight for that. See, we, what, about, what about the other relationships of our life? Maybe it's a relationship with a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a, a relationship with our peer groups. Or maybe it's a relationship with our, our grandparents. Or, or if you're a grandparent, maybe it's a relationship with your grandkids. Or your son or your daughter. Where are those relationships where we need to dig in and go, no, I'm not going to be content to go out 12 months from now and look back and say my relationships are just the same. This is an opportunity of advancement for us. We've got to push into our relationships. can't just keep them on autopilot. And then the fourth area that Paul writes to Timothy and he says, listen, with all of the plethora of opportunities that are out there for advancement, Here's the fourth where, Timothy, where you need to dig in. He says that's in your attitude. Number four is in your attitude. He says you've got to start with this personal leadership development thing. You've got to realize that leadership begins with me, and I've got to learn to lead myself. And then you've got to figure out how to start and keep equipping your strengths and playing to your strong suits. You've got to figure out where you need to work in your relational zones of your life. But then number four, you've got to work on your attitude. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he, he basically spends like verses 2 through 10 talking about and unpacking this, this whole um, illustration of all of these other people that Timothy would know who've kind of wandered off, who've let their attitude go south. What's an attitude? Basically an attitude is a way of approaching the world around us. When you boil it all down, our attitude is pretty much the way we approach the world around us. So when we say so-and-so has a bad attitude, we simply are saying their, their approach to the world around them is kind of bad. Or someone has a great attitude, well, what is it that's so great about it? It's, it's that their approach to the world around them is, seems great. See, that's our attitude. So Timothy, or Paul's writing to Timothy, and, and for several verses, through like verse 10 of chapter 6, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's basically going, listen, here are all of these guys who have let their approach to life, have let their approach to the world around them, their attitude, slip. And they've gotten distracted by the love of money. They've gotten distracted by, by like, weird, funky, crazy 
kooky doctrines, and they've gotten distracted by all of this. But then in verse 11, Paul zooms right in on Timothy again, and he says, listen, you've got to focus right here, but look at this. But you, man of God, don't you love that? Paul calls Timothy right there, and I think it's so intentional, and I think it's got everything to do with Timothy's approach to the world around him, that Paul calls him a man of God. Because Paul understood that if Timothy could really begin to embrace who he was in Christ, we talked about that last week, our identity as a man or a woman of God, that would change the way Timothy approached the world around him. He says, but you, man of God, and he says, flee from all of this. Don't don't let your attitude, don't let your approach to life, your approach to the world around you, get soured by this whole deal. Flee from, run from all of that. And instead, he goes on and he says, pursue righteousness godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. He says, listen, your approach to life, your approach to the world around you, your attitude needs to be one of righteousness. Not self-righteous attitude, but righteousness as in right living, living the way God has laid out for us in his word, the Bible, that, that he wants us to live. He says, man, you've got you to gotta have your approach to life, your attitude look like this book. He says, it's got to be faith-filled. It's, you, we need a godly attitude, a love-filled attitude, an endurance attitude, a patience, a gentleness attitude. He says, that's what's most important. That's the thing. Don't get distracted like these other guys who have messed up their approach to life, you've got to keep your attitude focused. He said, that's an opportunity of advancement for you, Timothy. Did you see the last phrase? Look what it says. Fight the good fight. He says, Timothy, listen, trying to keep your attitude pure, trying to keep your heart pure, trying to keep your approach to the world and your life pure, is going to be a battle. And he instructs Timothy, you've got to fight the good fight fight, my man. You've got to recognize that every day there are going to be opportunities for your attitude to stink. Last weekend we had a um, pastor friend of ours from the north down, he and his wife and their little baby, and they stayed at our house and hung out with us. And on the day that we were taking them back to the airport, we drove down to Gulf Coast Town Center and we had lunch um, at this restaurant. We wanted to sit outside where we could be out in the open air. And so we walk in, and there's um, a hostess standing there, and, you know, we say, four of us and a baby for lunch. And um, so she's like, we'd like to be outside. So we go outside, you know, and we turn, and she points to this table right by, next to the door where all the traffic is. There's this table of four right there, and we're like, okay. And, and then we're like, we see this other empty table down around the counter where they would serve beverages. Down around that, uh, there's a table over there. And so my, my wife goes, well, what about that table? You know, is it possible for us to sit over there? And, um, and so our, our little hostess, she goes, I don't know. I'm not sure if that table is for someone else or not. Let me go check. So we're like, okay. So we start to walk down toward this other table that's down around the counter where you would buy a beverage and uh, sit on a stool and watch sports and eat peanuts. And um, so there's this table. So we start walking toward the table, and all of it, just as we kind of go down there to that table, another hostess comes through the door and sits a couple at the foretop table that was by the door. And so we're kind of like, okay, that's interesting. And then a third hostess, I don't know how many hostesses you need for a Tuesday lunch, but apparently at this restaurant, they're expecting a lot of people. It's like, we're going to need like three hostesses to seat everybody 
So the third hostess walks in. She comes right down to this other table. And she's like, oh, this is for a, a party of six that's coming in. Here's the first two. Sits them down and we're like... Attitude. A way of approaching the In that moment, I was like, oh, I don't even know if there's glue in my life, but I'm about to come unglued. <laughs> I'm what, what just... And of course, the couple that's sitting at our table, our table, they're not making eye contact. And I'm, I'm calling for it. I'm like, oh, bring it. How's your lunch? So then one of the three hostesses is like, well, I'm sure it'll just be a few minutes and we'll have another table for you. You're welcome to wait. Wait? We've been waiting on both tables. Attitude. And all of a sudden we look around at all of the other tables that are full and we realize it's two minutes before noon. These people just got there too. Nobody even has their food. And I'm like, we're not going to wait. We're not... Well, it's hard, isn't it? Keeping that attitude thing in check, so we left. <laughs> okay, true story. A few weeks ago, we were out on a date um, with Scott and Kirsten, and we were eating at the same restaurant. And I totally, this is so bad of, of me, because I've got I to gotta remember this. And we're having dinner with them, you know, just chilling, hanging, same restaurant. And all of a sudden, like two of the waitresses come up, and you might be here, hopefully... Yes, woo great. Good hostesses, guys. you got a lot going on. <laughs> These two girls come up who are waitresses at this restaurant, same restaurant, and they're like, Pastor Matt, Pastor Scott, good to see you guys. We love your church. So I knew I couldn't be mean to these hosts. <laughs> oh, attitude, attitude. It's a struggle, isn't it? Keeping our approach to life, keeping our approach to the world around us, pure, godly, gentle, patient. It's, it's tough, but watch. This is one of those areas of advancement that God is saying to us, and Paul was saying to Timothy, listen, man, there's a ton of opportunities for advancement out there this year. But I want you to zoom in on these. So watch how this whole thing puts together. Why? Because God's got a vision for us of us becoming something greater than we are today. And, and because we don't want to be the same a year from now as we are today. How? We do that because of what we talked about last week, those five ways. But where? Where do we see this new thing, this advancement come in our lives this year? I contend that it will happen in one of four areas. In our personal leadership development and growth. In our strength sets. In the relational zones of our life or in our attitude, our approach to the way we view and interact with the world around us. So check this out. Here's my challenge to us. What if, for the next 90 days, you and I chose the one that needs the most work in our life? Leadership, strength, relationships, or attitude? Which, which one? Right now, process that through. Which one is the, the lowest hole in your bucket? Which one needs the most... It's time for self-assessment right here. Which one needs the most work in our life? What if we could take the next 90 days and forget everything else, and when it comes to, to growth and advancement in our personal lives, 
zoom in and focus on that one area, whichever one is the lowest hole in our bucket, for 90 days. Imagine how the entire water level of our life would rise if we could simply plug that one hole that keeps holding us back. Maybe it's in the relational zones of our life and we need to re-engage there. Maybe it's in our attitude. Maybe it's, maybe it's in our strength set. And we're forgetting about our strengths. We're not playing to our strengths. Maybe it's in our personal leadership development and personal growth. See, if we could take the next 90 days and raise the water level in that one area and focus our advancement there, then take the next 90 days and pick the next one that needs the most work and focus our attention there. Then we take the third 90 days and we focus our attention on the second one. And then we spend the last three months of the year zooming in and focusing on advancing our life in the one that we feel like we got going on the best. By this time next year, imagine what our life could look like. It's that simple. See, there's a new opportunity that awaits every single one of us. God wants us to become so much more than we are today. But if we don't focus on advancing in one of these areas at a time, we're going to be like me at Sam's Club, and that is not a pretty thing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us in 2008 to grow. The opportunity you're giving to every single one of us listening today to become more than we are today. And Father, I pray right now that you would begin to real, uh, help us to realize and, and open our eyes to the lowest hole in our bucket. To the one of these four areas where we need to advance, where we need to, to dig in. Lord, I pray you would give us the courage to face our insecurities, the courage to face our fears, the courage to invite others into this growth process with us. God, give us creativity to know the books we need to start reading, the conversations we need to start having, the prayers we need to start praying, the areas we need to start working on. Lord, I pray you give us the courage in the next 90 days to engage the one of these four areas that we know the least about, that we're not doing the best in. God, you've given us a new year with a new opportunity for advancement. I pray, God, that you would help us to advance. You and I may worship.